0: Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we're coming back with another one of our favorite episodes from weeks gone by. We're currently hard at work on our Q4 Channel Spectacular, which we'll be launching next week. But as we prepare that, we're going to run this amazing episode with Chris Mead from CrossNet, where we catalog his journey from earning $3,000 a month to earning $150,000 a month with email marketing in just three months. This product catalogs his incredible 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 ride from product creation all the way to selling 22,000 units. We're going to talk about a video creative strategy that he's had a lot of success with. We're going to talk all about how Chris used LinkedIn and content marketing to get CrossNet into Dick's, Walmart, and Target. And if you're watching the video, you're also going to see the first time we've ever had someone working out on their balcony behind a podcast guest. We'll be back next week with an all new, all killer, no filler.
1: On with the show. So we started the company, give or take like $10,000. So we bought about 50 units to start. And we were still like working our our full-time jobs. Like I'd be grinding on the train in, on the train ride home. I'd be up to midnight, like working. Sell the 50 units, save all the cash, flip it for another 100, sell 100, flip it for 200. So now we're doing that and we're buying 22,000 at a time. And we didn't pay ourselves for 18 months. We didn't take a single dollar out of the company. Never gone to a bank, never went to an investor, own 100% of the company. But it was just by being patient, seeing clear of those distractions.
0: Order Groove's subscription platform enables merchants to rapidly scale recurring revenue, deliver a superior subscriber experience, and maximize subscriber lifetime value. Leading merchants utilize Order Groove's powerful tools, promotions, and AI-powered personalization to drive subscriber enrollment, optimize subscriber retention, and increase average order value. Visit ordergroove.com slash DTC to request a complimentary audit of your existing or future subscription program. Today we are lucky to have with us Chris Mead, the CRO and co-founder of CrossNet. Of course, we also have uh, Pilot House CEO Dave Steele and Pilot House co founder Kyle Hitchcocks to round out our panel. Now, we ran our first episode last week. We had Smoothie Box and Snow Teeth Whitening. Uh, they gave a lot of awesome insights on conversion rate optimization. Yep. And this interview caught the eye of Chris on LinkedIn, of all places. Uh, he reached out, and it was a no brainer to get him on right away. So, CrossNet is a newly invented game that combines the nostalgia of Foursquare with the thrill of volleyball, with the goal of just getting people outside and having fun, which is something everyone wants to do these days. Whether they can or not is something we'll discuss. We're huge fans of outdoor games at Pilot House. Uh, right before this quarantine started, we actually had a, a small uh, spike ball tournament. And so, I think the next time we do this, we'll be making it a, a CrossNet tournament. Welcome to the hot seat, Chris. How you doing? Thanks for having me, man. That was uh, quite the intro. Doing well. Fantastic. So let's talk about the origin of the game. You're yeah. sitting around. You're, you're, a couple, you're a bunch of college students. Uh, and it's funny. I made up so many games uh, in the wee hours uh, in college, just absolutely yeah. ridiculous games. Uh, how did you come up with the idea for CrossNet?
1: So we actually, we had just graduated college. Um, my partner, Mike, had just graduated uh, with an engineer degree from Northeastern. So he was like the, the nerdy one of the bunch, just knew about blueprints and manufacturing, stuff that I, we just simply didn't care about knowing to know how to do. So uh, I lived out in New York City. I was home for break. Uh, we all came home together in Connecticut, where we're from. And we're just sitting on the couch, kind of brainstorming ideas. And four-way volleyball was just written down on a piece of paper. And the next day, we went to Walmart, and we bought two nets, rigged them up together, And we just had our friends come over and everybody just was playing for hours on end. We made up some rules on the spot and we just kept playing and playing and playing. And it was like six hours later. We're like, wow, not only did we create something, like we have a company and a sport, like let's go.
0: That's awesome. You just game tested it. You just like, just by, by playing it, you realized hell, this is fun. Like what about it? Like, why is it an improvement on volleyball? Is it just because it takes up less space? It's take, it takes a little less maybe coordination among like. The teammates having to bump and spike to each other. What what
1: made it work so well? Do you think? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't say it's an improvement on volleyball. Uh, I just grew up not playing volleyball. I never did. I remember going to gym class. If it was volleyball time, it'd be like, oh man, we got to do this again. We grew up playing basketball and soccer, so uh, we pretty much took everything that we thought was cool about volleyball, which was the net and being able to spike, and then we added basketball rules, which is like win game to eleven, win by two, and then it's just one hit each back and forth like super competitive and fast and that's why it makes it it makes it perfect for us and you could raise and lower the nets whatever way you want uh you don't have to be super athletic i played with like a 90 year old grandma before the quarantine and spike it in her face if she spikes it back at you and you don't have to be good at volleyball you just have to be able to have fun and be coordinated that's
0: amazing. And that, yeah, I think that was one of the things with, I, you know when you play spike ball, if you play with someone who is not good, or there's one or more per- people who, who don't have, you know, decent coordination, it just sort of makes it really hard to play. And it, there's also, it's also not super intuitive the way I imagine this would be. Yeah. So
1: when you, when you bump it up, you just, you can put it to any of the other courts, I guess. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the way the game kind of kicks off is that you st- four squares, one person, each square, uh, you have the square designated number four that serves the ball across and then from there, it's an absolute free for all. So your goal is to eliminate the person that's ahead of you in the clockwise motion and just advance. If you stay alive, you get one point. So you've invented this new game.
0: You, you've, you've you've game tested it. Your friends like it. You're like, we have something here. Yep. What was your next step after realizing that you had a product that, that you really believed could
1: sell? Yeah. So after that, we kind of got the blueprint, took the photos, kind of engineered the bad boy, and then uh, reached out to distributors of. Who could possibly manufacture it overseas? Because unfortunately, we couldn't get it made for a reasonable price here in the states. So, a lot of dialogue back and forth between people on Alibaba, AliExpress, all those kind of places, and we waited patiently for about like four months, and then we got our first prototype. So we got that prototype. It was it was awesome. So there were still like parts of it that was like not, didn't work exactly how we wanted to do, but it was super functional. And then we would just take it to the beach and play. And people were like, "Where do I buy this?" And we're like, "We don't even have inventory yet. We just have this one net. We can't even give it to you."
0: And drawing up these, were you? Do you do you have to draw technical product specs up? Like, do you have to take it to a like you know like a drafter who's gonna like draw things in a very technical way? Are you really like sketching this out yourselves on 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 paper?
1: Yeah. I remember like sketching it down on napkins. We were just like, Oh, this product one on napkin one. But, uh, like I said, Mike, uh, our co-founder is an engineer by trade. So he knows how to use AutoCAD and we don't have to go to a draft or anything like that. It's all done on his end, on his computer. Very cool. Now. So you've built this product, you've got the prototype. Then what? Then like one of the
0: things that I'm interested in is, you know, you guys have done a lot with big retailers and yeah. you know, in this, in the, in the e-commerce game, so many people are focused on finding existing products or m- making their own products and then really taking them direct to their own, uh, like digitally native brands so that they're selling them on Facebook and, and Snapchat. And, and you know, they're using these traffic sources uh, right out the gates to, to, to try to test the market and drive sales you guys had a strategy that, you know, where you're doing a lot of digital marketing, but that you also really focused on these retail outlets. Can you talk about the retail outlet process?
1: Yeah. I mean, as a a co-founder and inventing a brand new sport and a new product, like that doesn't happen a lot. Like in this Instagram world, we're all relatively young, like so many Instagram flexors, drop ship stores. It's all the same shit over and over again. It's super frustrating as like a serious entrepreneur. So that was the coolest thing when we had a product, a legit patent and everything. We're like, we want to walk into target and like Go ask the customer rep, like, where's CrossNet? Like, walk me to my product. Like, that's the coolest <laughs> feeling ever. So when we, uh, when we were able to kind of start with big box stores, it was just a no-brainer because I know, like, for me, my favorite thing of the night is me and my girlfriend We go walk around Target aimlessly for 15 minutes. Like, people are still in retail. They're still in big, like, going shopping. And getting our bread in there was just uh, had to happen.
0: And so what did you do? Is it just like, what are the channels you, like, I don't even know right now. Like, what are the channels you go through to get on, in, on those stores
1: radar? Do you yeah. need a special agent who helps you get in or do you do it yourself? So I, for word of advice to anybody who's like starting a product that could be in big box stores, uh, you will get spammed all day long with people like, Oh, I know the rep here. I'll only take 20%. And, and when you start the company, like, Oh, it sounds cool at the time. So we definitely made some deals with the devil in the beginning, but then we like got, got out of them. But uh, essentially people will promise you the world. But if you have a good product and you have good UGC to run ads on, uh, eventually we'll get to the right person. And so what I did was right off the jump, I took my sales skills from my previous life at Uber and Contently to like SaaS couple, Uber's well known obviously, uh, but Contently was a SaaS company. So I'd add everybody on LinkedIn. So as soon as I started the company before we even had like the final product, I was adding all the buyers so they followed my journey. So I'd be posting on LinkedIn all the time, all this content. And eventually I just put out a post yesterday. I got like 400 likes and like three years ago I was getting two likes. So they've been exposed to CrossNet over time. And when it was time for me to reach out, it was a much warmer touch than, Hey, I'm just some random dude from the internet.
0: That is super smart. And that echoes exactly, you know, what we're doing with, with pilot house hot seat as well. just start putting that content out there, start building rapport with people through content. You're the content guy as well, right? Like you're, you're the photographer. You've done a, you've done a yeah. lot of the content creation for the brand.
1: Yeah. Uh, I went to school for film actually. So film school oh, graduate. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh,
2: just quickly, yeah, how a film school graduate end up in New York city doing sales for Uber?
1: So I graduated from, uh, from Quinnipiac, which is a film school in Connecticut uh, worked at HBO on the yeah. set of, uh, girls, the TV show and quickly realized that my rate I was making there compared to my student loan debt was just not going to be uh, survivable. So took a job at a media buying agency in Connecticut, hated it so badly and, uh, got a uh, sales gig actually in New York. One of my buddies was working there and he was posting on LinkedIn every day. Like Oh, this company's so cool. I love working here. And I'm like, dude, are you full of shit or not? And he's like, no, I actually love it. Like come work here. And I was like, let's do it. So uh, that's how I got it. Got to New York.
0: We were talking earlier, you know, one, you gave us a, a, a cool sort of uh PDF on, on some of the cool facts about the brand. Uh, Kyle had a question about your bootstrapping. Yeah. yeah,
2: for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we bootstrapped our business, a few businesses, the difference, obviously we're, you know, for the most part service based, we're not carrying a lot of inventory. Did you finance, how are you avoiding uh, investment? Have you taken investment? What's your
1: process? It's fun, man, it's real fun. So we started the company, give or take like $10,000. So we bought about uh, 50 units to start. And we were still like working our, our full-time jobs. Like I'd be grinding on the train in, on the train ride home, I'd be up to midnight like working. Yeah. Sell the 50 units, save all the cash, flip it for another 100. Yeah. Sell 100, flip it for 200. So now we're doing that and we're buying 22000 at a time. And we didn't uh, pay ourselves for 18 months. Mm-hmm. We didn't take a single dollar out of the company. Yeah. Uh, we've never gone to a bank, never went to an investor, owned 100% of the company. Uh, but it was just by being patient like, and not seeing clear of those distractions. How many partners do you have? Uh, two others. So it's just three co-founders, and now mm-hmm. we have uh, two full-time employees and a VA team of about 20 people.
2: Wow. Super cool. Really nice to keep it to yourself too, especially to like, obviously the last, you know, five, five years or so investments, it's just everywhere. It was everywhere. We'll see, we'll see what happens post COVID here, but you know, there's money. Like were people throwing money at you?
1: Yeah, not, I wouldn't say throwing. So compared, like we grew up in a small farm town, like there's one stoplight, there's one restaurant. So we're far from any, uh, anyone with really deep pockets. So, uh, yeah, we definitely could have, I mean, after last year's sales, we could have easily got investment. We did go to a few banks when things got a little tough. Yeah. Thank God we never took those investments and like took that yeah. money. Yeah,
2: totally. So. And then last question on this, like you were saying you would double down on inventory, you'd, you'd stockpile cash. What was that like timeline from like your 50 order to, to now? Like how often are you, did you compound that and how long did that take?
1: Yeah, yeah it's tough. So essentially we'd get just so on a small scale, you'd, sell the 50 units. But when you've had enough cash made to purchase a hundred, so we have 50 in inventory when we get down to maybe 10, we'll place that new PO. So now at scale. It's like, Oh, we have enough cash left over to go buy that PO. We'll send it over. And then we have like a 70 day lead time. So lead times are tough. So you always got to yeah. plan, but now we're, yeah, we're funding 22,000 units at a time. And that's barely going to last us two months. So we're, we're burning through inventory. Congratulations.
3: Hey, Chris, I have a question for you about um, sort of who would you say is your, you know, your demographic of people who are playing the sport and how that compares to, say, you know, some of the competition. Like I'm curious, is the competition you know, traditional volleyball? Is it more some of these other breakthrough games like spikeball? Yeah. What, who's playing it and why? It's
1: um, a good question. So we're actually finding – I'm not, I'm not going to dance around your question, but we're also finding that the people who are buying it are not actually our end consumer. So the moms are the ones buying it for their kids who then are having a great time. But uh, our target and consumer is somebody like myself, 27, 21 through 27, like kind of going out to the beach, having fun, athletic. Uh, Those are people that are going to drive the best content, obviously, and going to champion the sport into like our biggest pain point as a company is this is a sport, not just a product. So if we're going to be anywhere in 10 years, like the sport needs to grow. So people our age are definitely the champions. Uh, but the average consumer on a daily basis is the mom and dad buying it for their kid to get them off TikTok and off fortnight. So they're out in the backyard doing something
3: on that. No, that's exactly where I was thinking is I remember growing up. My, my parents would go to Walmart, Costco, whatever they would buy, like the cheap volleyball game, they'd yep. go and stick up and it would hardly stay up. And it really, it just, it reflects poorly on the sport of volleyball, right? Because the product wasn't quality. Exactly. So you're obviously trying to, you know, forge a path
1: forward as a sport. So that's really smart. Yeah. And it's, it, there's a tough balance between like offering a super premium product and an affordable product to a family. Cause you go to a, a volleyball court, those, those nets are thousands and thousands of dollars and just nobody, the average consumer doesn't think that, right? Like, and you'll, we'll still get product complaints like, Oh, it didn't last me three years. Like, yeah, it's $150, not $3,000. Like you can't be spiking at it like 200 miles per hour. So there's, there's a little give and take there.
0: You brought up a really interesting point with <clears throat> that it's not a game, <clears throat> it's a sport. Yeah. And I'm wondering what steps are you guys taking as an organization to really like, it, it's funny, like I used to play a game called Koob. Have you heard of Coob? It's, yeah. it's a lawn game where you're throwing these wooden blocks back and forth. And the amount of people that would come up to us when we're playing it, and say, what is this game? And the same with Spikeball, right? Like that is so much of your grassroots marketing is people just saying, what the hell is this? Exactly. Um, but, but how do you take that to the next level? How do, you, how do you instill it as a sport or as organization so that it can really take hold?
1: Yeah, so it's twofold. One is providing clear, clear, clear instructions in the product packaging. So when they get it, they're not only getting the setup instructions, but how to play the gameplay rules and then following that up with a funnel of email marketing. So it's not just like spam, spam, buy more. It's here's how you play. Here's the gameplay rules. Here's the the spikes of the week, uh, and really embedding how to play. Because if somebody's buying it, it's sitting under their kitchen table. That does nothing for me. Like sure, I got your money, but I want you to go market it for me and go play the sport. So mm. that's super important. And then on the other end of the spectrum is gym classes. We're in almost four thousand physical education classrooms right now. So it's important that the teachers are teaching the students properly. Because then they're going home and telling their parents about a great game they played in class, and now they're spreading it with their friends.
0: Cool. And then at some point, is it like the thing where you'd look to get a, a invitational
1: tournament up and get some press coverage, oh, yeah. or like definitely we had a, we had a tournament actually in San Diego at the end of last year. We had kids drive three hours to come play with us for like our first San Diego Open. Like I had a five hundred dollar cash prize. We had tons of tournaments lined up throughout the country until everything happened. So. Uh, that's on hold until further notice. But yeah, uh, tournaments are going to be huge for us.
0: So you, you know, it I was just under $3 million in your first year on pace for over 10 million this year. What's the huge, is it just, it was it a timing thing. Like what's the big difference between last year and this year in terms of the sales? And then yeah, also I, how is COVID affecting things?
1: <laughs> so uh, I just think it's just probably with your guys on the agency. Like you guys are learning stuff that you wish you knew two years ago or a year ago. And you're like, damn, if I only knew that we would have made 10 times more money. So we're learning skills that like email marketing, we've done nothing with email marketing until this January. We did a terrible job and We've addressed that big time. So we have new email marketing going out consistently to different funnels, different emails, making so much more money, but also more education. And then also uh, UGC, we're getting tons more content, getting more people to submit stuff. And then finally it's a spider web, right? So like it trickles down, the more people that are outside playing, the more nets in the world, it just grows organically. Cause like you said, with your game, people are coming up asking. Now I'm getting people like somebody bought, Oh, my neighbor set this up. I need to go buy it. So the more that are out there, it just keeps pyramiding down.
2: Well, you got three more sets right here for sure.
1: Let's go.
0: (laughs) Your cupboards are overflowing with coffee. You ran out of toilet paper. Your spouse is on you about two credit card charges this month. The truth is subscriptions are great until they're not. Reordering can be easy. Just visit getrepeat.io to find out how. So, dive in a little bit on your email marketing. So you described it as uh, a really strong sort of method for uh, making sure that people get the most out of the game and making your organic, you know, visual uh, ambassador program that, you know, that that's happening just from people playing the game, but to take it, you took your email marketing from, you know, in the thousands into, into the hundreds of thousands. And, and I'm wondering, like, so there's, that is a multi-pronged thing where you're not only emailing the people who bought the product, How are you reaching out with cold emails? Are you generating an email through like a downloadable and then selling
1: them on the product as well? Yes, that's a huge, so that revenue stream I mentioned on LinkedIn, that's primarily all cold, like first-time purchases. And so the way we've done that from three grand in January over like, we're probably like 115K, like 16 days into the month. And I know if we had started that six months ago, we'd be at 300K. So like it's going to be by the end of the year, awesome. Uh, but the way we're doing that was our biggest mistake was we capture email, send them the discount code, and then they'd never hear from us again. And all I had, all I had to do was flip two levers and just com- copy and paste another email and say, hey, checking up on you, did you use your code? And then give them more content over time. And I would have, I lost out on so many customers the first few years of doing this. So anybody listening, make that funnel and build it out a little bit. So now we have like seven or eight touch points. And it's not just sale, sale, sale. It's like, this is what you're missing out on. You're stuck at home. You should be out in your backyard, safe with your friends and family. And then what is
0: that first email touch point? Cause you're not, you know, you're just, you're just getting that email to start. How are you getting that email right off the, off the start in order to sell them?
1: Yeah. So if you go to our site, you'll actually see a lead capture that pops up and you should AB test this based on what converts best for your site, but it's, Hey, here's $10 off code expires in 24 hours. Got it. Uh, so we see a lot of conversion there. And then our, the classic Wheelio, uh, it works. Hater love it. It actually works really well. And we, we have about 10,000 visitors to the site every day. So if we're capping 10%, that list is growing very, very quickly.
0: I wonder if there's a correlation between Wheelio. Like your product is such a good fit for Wheelio in a way because it's already a game. It's already people yeah. in that mode for like you know, pleasure and having fun. So a wheelio thing pops up. It might fit with your brand better, better than it does for cosmetics or something. Of
1: course. Yeah. I mean, it's a little gimmicky. Like I hate it myself, but when you look at the data, it works sadly. So we're going to keep it. We're getting a lot of emails.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's there to stay. Dave had a few questions about your creative. I know, uh, I know that, yeah, you're, you're sort of in charge of the creative and you're talking about UGC being so important. Yeah. Dave, what was your question?
3: Yeah, I've got a few questions on creative. First of all, you know, I imagine it's a it's a fun, exciting product to be making creative for. Obviously, a huge lifestyle component, and I can yeah. see. You know, I checked out your you know your Facebook ad library. Obviously, your site. Uh, you know, a lot of UGC, but also videos that you guys have clearly shot. Take us through sort of what that you know where did that start compared to where it is now. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are starting that journey with their own brand.
1: Awesome. My my word of advice is like be frugal about it. Like we, we self-funded everything. So we'd never said, like, I know somebody who spent like 10,000 bucks on a video yesterday and their company is way smaller than us. Like we've never spent more than like $500 on a video. The product sells itself, the same type of content that I'm making on my cell phone. Like it's going to resonate the same way as some high quality video. So we've seen that UGC works uh, better for Facebook ads over time for us, but it's still important to have that high quality for trade shows and all of that. So we'll kind of, prioritize maybe one or two videos every month, just super high quality to have them for whatever purpose for email marketing. Uh, but on the day to day, we really rely on the user generated.
3: With email being such a big platform for you right now, how are you tying your content into email?
1: So we're making most of our videos as gifts. So it'll either be like five second gifts, because it helps with deliverability. Mm-hmm. So and then sometimes we'll do the link if it's something really important yeah, last week we got an email of somebody playing it in their house. So rip that into a eight second GIF and boom, that was a perfect email.
3: Yeah. I think I saw that one in the ad library as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, timely. Curious with that. You know, do you have any insight on, on how that sort of timely content is performing compared to some of your maybe longstanding winners?
1: We're seeing, unfortunately we're seeing a lot of people who kind of hate it, like hate on it being like, Oh, you're advertising for a four way volleyball net. Like, during COVID, but at the same time, if you're safe in the house with your family and you haven't been outside, like what's the difference between that and sitting on the couch? So,
2: man, I've seen so many trampolines pop up like in my neighbor's yards, like everyone has a trampoline now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's going well though. So uh, on the sales side for COVID, like we've seen our sales increase well over 500% for the last 60 days, which has put a huge stress on our supply chain. Uh, But I guess I'd rather be capitalizing it than uh, tanking.
2: We're seeing a lot of that too. Just to give you some like outside perspective, yeah. uh, you know, like five different verticals and, and clients this week all had record days. You know, it's like three, crazy. three or four of them had record days yesterday. And so you're not alone in this interesting time. Yeah. But yeah, um,
1: I'm, I'm luck- We're lucky to be on the the positive end of the spectrum here. So we are we'll keep doubling down, and uh, we've increased our customer service just to make sure. There's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of cancellations. People. Hey, they need money right now. So if yeah. things pop up, uh, stress, stress-free cancellation policy, get your money back immediately. We'll cancel that order for you. No problem. So, uh, sympathy, you got, you got to be empathetic in these times.
0: Kyle, did you have any questions about the sales pages?
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm just curious, like you're talking about Wilio and, and it's helping you conversion rates. You got opt-in rates, of course, for email and you're, you're maximizing that. Have you ever built like content outside of Shopify? Um, to to increase conversion rates, sales pages, editorials, things like that.
1: Not really. Uh, we haven't. So we're actually we just made an investment to get a brand new website overhaul. I've built the whole Shopify page from scratch. Uh, so I'm not a designer by trade, but I think I did a, a pretty decent job on the site. So uh, yeah, I built that site about two years ago. But uh, no, we're about to start offering some more deliverables. Like uh, was it some guy just made us a 20 ways to play cross in the classroom that you haven't thought about. So that would be like a gated PDF for gym teachers uh, cool. to start kind of segmenting that audience out. But yeah. for now we have our brand guidelines, which is for the wholesalers to make sure they know how to talk about our brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have some PDFs and that's about it.
2: It's amazing how it just works when you have a great product.
1: Yeah. We're fortunate. <laughs> Very and fortunate.
2: Ported by fantastic UGC, Like, you know, you, you have a really good thing going for you.
1: Yeah, it, it took time. It took a lot. I mean, I remember, so we started the company in 2018, well, end of 2017, and we would get one sale a day and we'd be so pumped. And I, I remember just sitting there like, if we only sell 10 a day, like we're going to yeah. be rich. And now it's like 10, like in the first 15 minutes of the day. So yeah.
3: So cool.
0: Patience. patience. If moms are your target market and I, it's funny, my mom, every holiday, every time we were getting together as a family would go out and buy some game, whether it's a board game, just something because she's, she's always, they're trying to just make you have a, you know, a a great time whenever possible. I wonder if there's a play too, where there's like a PDF for moms who want to like help their kids squeeze every little goodness out of summer during these hard times or something. Yeah, I love that idea of a PDF for gym teachers, but I feel like especially now that traffic is on sale there's got to be some cool strategies where you can create lead magnets for other customer personas as well.
1: hundred percent. I'll write that down somewhere. That's a good idea. What is your split?
3: Would you say right now, uh, Chris, between, you know, direct to consumer sales through
1: e-com versus your wholesale? I'd say about 85% is directly e-com and then the other 15% is at retail. So we're still driving all the traffic to our site. Uh, trying to own that customer data. Cause it's super important to us. I mean, we're in over 300 stores, probably 500 to maybe hopefully a thousand by the end of the year, but I need to have your email to inform you how to play and how to upsell you when we have new products. So that's wow. always, always <laughs> crucial.
3: On that note, I mean, are these, are these primarily one unit orders? Uh, what what kind of upsell opportunities are there how yeah. play in that field?
1: So they're typically one unit orders uh, and fortunately for us, people are going out and being our champions for us. So they're marketing the products for us, which is great. And then like you guys will go get one and then some your buddy will come over and buy it for himself after he has a good time. Uh, But upsell opportunity, we just released an indoor model. So you just throw the bases on play inside for you guys up there. It's probably cold a lot of the year. So uh, you get, got that indoor model for the gym classes. And then we just released a longer net as well, so now you could play two v two v two team battle. Oh now. shoot! Yeah, oh, so context. that's going to be cool. So we haven't even started to market that yet. Uh, COVID's definitely put a uh, halt onto that. We don't want to be advertising an eight-person game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in quarantine mode. So uh, when, when when times are better, we'll we'll drop that officially.
3: You gotta that's
2: put the, a little hula hoop in the middle so people don't. Uh,
1: no, they know the. the- <laughs>
0: Exactly. <laughs> or just plexiglass. Just put plexiglass up yeah. on the net so that there's no germ transfer. That uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. There's there's <laughs> endless possibilities.
2: Just another another question here uh, on on the marketing side of things. Like you know that's that's pretty impressive. So di- direct direct to online. You know a good amount of traffic. What's the breakdown of of traffic sources like Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, Snap, so on?
1: Yeah. It's typically I'd probably say. 80 to 90% Facebook uh, we're just driving home. Like you said, traffic's on sale right now. So we're driving as much traffic to Facebook. Uh, yeah. my, the key metrics I look at is my net profit. My net profits the only thing I really care about and my CPA. So if my CPA is where I need to be, flip the lever and just keep sending the traffic. And yeah. then a the nice part is that the funnels are working now. So the email is just getting us so much more money on the abandoned cart. So Facebook's all in. Um, we're dropping a blog next week. I have always thought a blog was terrible, but more I start learning and Googling stuff. Like if I could get 10,000 people to my site every day in a year, my blog could be really sweet if it's about physical education and volleyball.
2: Yeah. Well, there's this, there's this whole thing too. Like you're, it's not just one source or the other, like everything needs to work together. Like exactly. you have a, you have a Facebook ad that's got some great UGC. They may go to target. They might see a brand, grab it there. There's all this offline attribution that no one talks about, but also cross channel. Like if, if your conversion rates are going to be higher, if you have a lot more content organically, when they're going to go search you, everyone knows about reviews of course, but if you can get as many links as possible elsewhere, your conversion rates can can be quite high. And you know, we've taken brands from zero to full content over a two year, two year roadmap, right? Mm. And you can see the conversion rates are just drastically higher, even though it's the same initial ads, same initial content. Exactly. Really work towards flushing that out.
1: Yeah. And we just actually, so we brought, uh, we brought a copywriter on board to kind of oversee all copy across all channels. Cause it used to be, there's a Facebook guy writing this, a Twitter guy writing this, and it was just super disconnected. And I'd yeah. be looking at the post and like, that's not how we sound on that channel. So now we have one unified voice. Everything's reviewed in a cal- content calendar. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're doing things the, the right way, I guess, eventually. So just le- cool. learning steps.
2: And just a quick quick tip on that, if, if people are actually listening to this, uh, you should maybe explore this too. But uh, just YouTube influencers. So, of course, like Instagram influencers, but uh, YouTube influencers um, have, have performed incredibly well for some of our clients this year. Um, and so reaching out to those guys and, and saying hi and, and send them a free set might might, uh, might work pretty good.
0: I wanted to ask, yeah, I, I looked up some more typical sort of hot seat style questions and I wanted to ask like, if there was one thing your company could do better, what 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 is the area you'd like to see your company make
1: the most improvements in over the next year? Email marketing is still number one for me. Uh, I'm spending the majority of my day like focused on the messaging. There's so many different flows and like areas in that that we're just underperforming in. And I, the way I'm looking at it is I have three years to make up on the mistakes that we've done. So we're driving so much traffic there. It's just potentially free money that you just have going through a funnel. Uh, you just got to build that funnel. So I know if I'm putting all, all my effort into that, uh, we're going to make drive a lot of revenue there.
0: The other question, I, I don't even know if this one's applicable to you guys. You're already running at probably such a decent ROAS. Your conversion rates are great. your all these things, but if you were offered a hundred K business grant just to like, you know, put into the business in a strategic way, uh, in order to scale and kind of hit that next level, where would you invest a hundred thousand dollars? I got to pay it back. Well, that's the question. You just increase your own <laughs> stock, I guess, right? No, you don't have to pay it back.
1: With don't this, you don't it. have to pay it back. It's a grant. <laughs> All right, cool. So, what I'm working on right now is uh, so I just decided to work on it this morning. Uh, we are going to have host a podcast and it's going to be called the CrossNet Quadrant uh podcast or give or take on the name, but uh, there's thousands and thousands of volleyball listeners everywhere and I don't know the first thing about volleyball I didn't grow up playing volleyball but I know our sport speaks to volleyball people and if we start kind of owning that and having a reliable awesome guest on there uh, it could be really cool so I've been doing tons of podcasts for the last year uh but I we're gonna get an awesome volleyball gold medalist which I'm stoked to announce uh, to run our podcast yeah, Very cool. Karch Karai. That's the only guy I know. Is it Karch Karai? <laughs> you can't say. Oh man. So it's it's going to be cool. So yeah, I would invest all my money right now in podcast. I think podcast has endless potential. Obviously you guys are just starting yours for that exact reason. So hundred K goes there.
0: Nice. Wow. Very cool. All right. Well, we just like, just, this is a total all killer, no filler episode. We just sort of knifed through all of our questions. Guys, did you have any other questions? Chris, did you have any, uh, any questions for us? I'm starting
1: a podcast, right? so what is the biggest mistake you guys have made so far?
0: I ball- Eric.
2: yeah
1: that's-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so far uh, so far there hasn't we haven't had any we like no no big ones so far. I think you know the big thing with podcasts you just gotta start iterating we we're we're uh we we're a tight knit group even though we're all working from home here, so we're always trying to Uh, Discuss the best possible approaches. Get the best possible guests on. Match up the right guests. Come up with the best questions. And you have to find a good mix between planning what you want to do and and just getting it out there. And and to me, you know, I've had a few sort of sort of successful podcasts already, uh, and and they've all just come from iterating. It's all come from uh, you know iterating over and over, getting better over time. And then, and then you're doing it. You nailed it with, by, by getting, you know, every time we're looking for a guest, we're looking for someone who gets 300 likes on their LinkedIn posts, right? Cause we know that you'll share this as well and it'll, it'll help us. So, so really the, 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 biggest hack for, for going podcasts to start with is the guests and the hosts and just making sure that they have their own halo effect. Yeah. In terms of big mistakes, there hasn't been any, any yet. We've probably squeezed a few too many people in a few of our podcasts. We've, <laughs> yeah. but we've corrected that today by uh, Again, getting more input from everyone on the show and uh i'll keep you posted though uh about it yeah I'd love to learn
3: infancy cool any questions anything else from kyle or dave Uh, i did have one one more just just chris you mentioned that you know if 85 percent of the uh online sales are coming through facebook how much how involved are you on that side
1: i am not too involved to be fully transparent so we have an agency that runs our facebook ads Uh, my brother is the co-founder of the company he is on the social side all day so i'm on the the retail, the email marketing, the branding—he's mm-hmm. on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, all that stuff. I don't care to look at. So he's—he's uh, he's driving that. All I care about is what's our numbers looking like, what's our ad copy look like, and are we using the best GGC and getting it from email?
3: Very cool. And I, and I think a lot of people we're connected to, brands, clients, you know, network, uh, underutilize email as well. Uh, and so I think that's a huge reminder for everyone. To, yeah,
1: you know. definitely. And I think SMS is going to have super good potential. So we actually just turned on yesterday. Uh, you have to give your e- give your phone number in order to purchase through our store. And we used to think that was spammy or was going to hurt our conversion. But 24 hours in, we're still at like a 4.5% conversion rate. So I'm happy and uh, a lot of untapped potential.
2: I think All people right. are used to it now, verification codes and whatnot. It's just, you know, I think a couple years ago, that was probably super frustrating. But now it's just like, yeah, whatever, let's get...
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think if we could build that a flow through SMS, that's not overly harassing and spammy and just one or two touches like, hey, somebody's playing in the house. Why aren't you? That's that's untapped cash too. Very cool.
0: I got to say, this is the first podcast we've ever had where someone's working out in the background. That. Uh, <laughs> 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 Oh wow! Neighbor. that's my neighbor eli yeah say hey to your neighbor eli for us it's I will. Definitely
3: a first.
2: that's too good you're gonna have to send this to him after yeah. that's
0: awesome no that's perfect all right chris thank you so much for coming on today i'll send this to you when, when when you're when we're done and we'd love you to share it around and otherwise let's stay in touch we're excited to watch your your brand grow here it's got massive perfect. potential thanks guys i appreciate it stay in touch thanks so much for listening to today's episode if you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next
3: time.